and welcome to The Therapist Mindset. I'm your host, Jamie Bonaiuto, licensed professional counselor, licensed alcohol and drug counselor, registered yoga instructor, and Reiki master. The Therapist Mindset is an unscripted, unedited podcast because I firmly believe that our mistakes are not failures, but lessons and our greatest opportunities. So I just let the mistakes roll on. The Therapist Mindset offers evidence-based therapies with a spiritual backbone because with mindfulness, we can grow and change. So let's dive into today's topic. Let's talk about love. And let's talk about the neurochemical response to love. I was thinking about this quote that I quite like. It's one of my favorite quotes or sayings. I don't know who said it. It's a Buddhist quote. If anybody knows, please tell me. But the quote goes something along the lines of, If you meet someone, a potential partner, if you meet someone and you see them and you're holding hands and you have butterflies in your stomach and your heart is racing and your palms are sweaty, beware, that is not your partner. That is not the partner meant for you. If you meet somebody, a potential partner, And you see them and you're with them and you feel a sense of peace, a sense of calm. Now that, that is your partner. That is the healthy partner. So I elaborated on the quote, but essentially that's the quote. If you meet someone and all the ding, ding, dings go off, the butterflies, the heart racing, the sweaty palms, that is not the partner that's meant for you. If you meet someone and you feel a sense of peace, a sense of calm, we misinterpret that as boring, but that, my friends, is the partner, is the partner that's meant for you. So let's talk more about that. Let's talk about that quote. Let's deep dive into it and what that means for us. Let's look at the neurochemical response to love and dating. Let's look at that physiology. Did you know, did you know that our body, our body physiologically responds the same to both fear and excitement? Our body doesn't know the difference. There's no difference in chemical reaction to when we are fearful and when we're excited. Both fear and excitement elicit a stress response. Both fear and excitement come with an increased heart rate, come with butterflies in your stomach, come with sweating. The increased heart rate is your body pumping out adrenaline. We do that when we're both fearful and excited. The sweating is an increased cortisol hormone response. We do that when we're both fearful and excited. The tunnel vision, that could be literal tunnel vision or being obsessed, like tunnel vision, you're only thinking about this one person or this one topic or situation. That's a norepinephrine increase. Happens when we're both fearful and excited. So what happens when we start dating someone new? 
What happens when we start falling in love, when we meet this potential partner? Our body elicits a physiological response that is both excitement and fear-based all at one time. It's exciting meeting someone new, but part of this physiological stress response is the fear. Is this person safe for me? Is this person in my best interest? Is this person somebody that I should pursue that's healthy for me? As we get to know that person and rule out that this person is yes, a good partner or potentially a good partner or no, this person is not someone that I want to continue to get to know and associate with. As we get to know someone and get more comfortable and rule these things out and get to know people, the physiological response calms down and we feel a sense of peace a sense of calm, which oftentimes is misinterpreted for boring, lack of spark, no chemistry together. But really what that is, is a neurochemical response of feeling safe. It's our body's way of cluing us into a sense of safety, a sense of I feel safe with this person. Therefore, there is no stress response elicited. So we've kind of been conditioned to believe that looking and fight feeling, being aware of that stress response is a sign that this is a love relationship, a spark. We have chemistry. But really, that's our body in a stress response. Really, when you have chemistry... You're looking for a sense of safety. You want a potential partner that brings about a sense of safety, a sense of peace and calmness. And that's the partner where you're not getting that stress response, at least not chronically, not all the time. Why are toxic relationships so addictive? Because we've come to believe that this stress response is equated to a a partner we have chemistry with. And in a toxic relationship, we are not always feeling safe, rarely feeling safe. There's fear that this person's going to abandon us, cheat on us, they're lying to us, all the things. So we're in a constant state of stress. We're in a chronic stress response. And we're misinterpreting that for love, for the spark, for the chemistry. Very interesting, right? So let's look at the history of dating. Let's look at why we look for partners as a species. And like with everything else, the answer is survival. Survival of the fittest, survival of the species to reproduce. According to a 2018 article in Psychology Today, the feel-good neurochemical dopamine is stimulated in babies when they hear their mother's voice. So hearing the sound of their mother or primary caregiver stimulates that feel-good chemical dopamine. It stimulates a sense of familiar, I know this person, it's safe. Oxytocin is stimulated by touch. And 
Oxytocin is also called the cuddle hormone. That's because when we hold hands, when we hug, our body, our brain stimulates oxytocin. And we equate touch on a subconscious level for most of us, but we equate touch with trust. Consensual touch, that liberty is given to those we trust. We allow them to touch us. So I trust you. I allow you to be in my personal space. We share touch and that elicits the cuddle hormone. Serotonin is elicited when we receive affection or when we receive a source of feeling status, feeling desired, feeling like somebody is proud to have us in their corner as their partner. And in the natural selection process in animals, these hormones served a purpose to clue us in to give us the message that we're desired, that we feel trust, that we feel safe, non-verbally. Animals picked partners that they felt trustworthy with. Psychology Today goes on to talk about a study in chimpanzees where female chimpanzees were more likely to pick a mating partner if that male chimpanzee shared the hunt, shared the food that he acquired on the hunt. Why? Because food equals survival. And if somebody is going to feed you, you're going to survive. Therefore, you're more likely to mate with that person. So when when we think of love and dating in modern times, we don't really think of it as a survival, as a means to survive, survival of the species. But our brains the oldest part of our brains are still pumping out chemicals that tell us when this partner, this potential partner is going to help us reproduce and survive in this world. Because survival is a necessity, oftentimes our brains interpret love and these chemicals being pumped out as a means of survival. And then when we're disappointed in this partner, we have a depletion of that neurochemical response. But again, let's look at animals. Do baby animals stay with their mothers throughout a lifetime, stay with the partner throughout a lifetime? Some of them do. But oftentimes, after the partner is independent and can function on their own, can acquire food and their own mate on their own, they are no longer with the mother, no longer with the caregiver or the pack. Some species, they are for certain, but oftentimes like a baby bird is pushed out of the nest. You know, you have to learn to survive on your own. But when it comes to love and relationships, we are looking for that partner to fulfill that need for us for a lifetime. And that's an unrealistic expectation. We have to learn how to fill that need, how to fill that survival need, how to fill that love need, how to elicit these feel-good chemicals on our own. We can't depend on somebody else to make us feel good. 
we have to learn how to do that on our own because love might be equated to survival. Love might help us reproduce. Love might equal survival of the species, but love cannot guarantee a lifetime of happiness. So what else can we do other than being mindful of this, looking for potential partners that don't solely elicit a stress response, but majority of the time elicit a sense of safety? What else can we do? We have to remember that we have to fill our own cups, that in addition to being with my partner, I also feel good and get a neurochemical response, get dopamine pumping, serotonin pumping when I exercise, when I hang out with my family or friends, when I meditate. So those are all ways that we could also feel good and have that neurochemical um, feel good response, that neurochemical response happening in our brain. We can't depend on one person, on a partner to fulfill us and meet that need all the time. We have to also meet that need for ourselves and teach our children how to meet that need for themselves so that it's not all dependent on a partner. So meditating, journaling, singing, exercise, yoga, which could be uh, exercise, but meditating, breath work, laughing, time with family and friends. Learn to elicit, learn to figure out how you feel good, how you elicit those feel-good hormones and neurotransmitters in many different ways. So that we have many activities, many people, many tools in our toolbox in order to feel good. If you have any questions, please contact me at thetherapistmindset at gmail.com. Follow my TikTok, The Therapist Mindset on TikTok. And until next time, be well.